0: You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Well, good morning. Looks like everybody likes to come to second service around here, huh? First service was a little lean, but uh, great to see you. My name is Matt. If I haven't met you, I'm our, one of our pastors here. I oversee all of our student and Uh, college ministries, I'm one of the elders, part of the preaching team. But most importantly, I am a grandfather, as of a month ago. Which really, I mean, that trumps all those other things. It's like, whatever. Um, And I know some of you guys have seen this picture, because Gary, uh, one of our other teachers here, he was a, I mean, he's like the ultimate grandpa. So in the hospital, I'm sending some of my buddies these pics, and he's like, hey, can I share that tomorrow? I'm like, well, I kind of wanted to introduce my own granddaughter, but if you must. so, But I've got some new ones. This is little, oh, exactly. How am I supposed to get any work done when they're sending me pictures like this? I just want to run over and, you know, hey, you guys need anything? No, no, we're good. All right, I'm bringing some bread. I'll be right there. I mean, little, this is little Maya Renee, and she's just, uh, exactly. So she's coming over today, so let's go ahead and get this wrapped up. And... Um, it's really special, though, and, and all of you guys who have shown me grandpa and grandma pictures, and i have been you know, sitting there like, okay, you're almost done, I get it now. I get it now. So I apologize. I get it now. So, all right, let's get to business. We've been, we've been working through the book of Genesis as a church for the last weeks, and uh, even before the holidays, I believe, and... Uh, So I want to get us all up to speed. I know there's some people here that are new that haven't been with us. Maybe you're new to church in general, so it can, Genesis can get a little weird. So let's just, um, I'm going to kind of retell the story, very oversimplified, but to get us up to speed to chapter 15, which we're at today. We're going to look at the first six verses of that. So in the beginning, God, out out of this darkness and disorder, God creates this beauty and order, and at the pinnacle of his creation, there's man and woman, and he invites them to partner with him and bringing blessing and flourishing and having kids and grandkids and all those great things. Well, quickly we see that they, they choose not to partner with God. They wanted to find good and evil on their own. They want to kind of do their own thing. And, and again, the next thing we see is we see brother murdering brother. We see violence breaking out and disorder now is, is, is rampant through the creation. And God has to come and step in. And he judges, and it's horrible. Enter Noah's Ark, right? You know the story, and so Noah—he's a righteous guy. Scripture makes that clear. And so we think, okay, there's going to be a restart here. And so we see Noah, and he's—he's he's in this vineyard. So it reminds us of the garden. But the next thing we know, we see Noah. He's getting hammered, and something shady's going on with one of his sons in the tent. And we're like, "What's going on here?" And and so they start having, you know, their descendants, and it's the same kind of deal. It's this downward spiral until we get to chapter eleven. We see these nations now, instead of uh, joining and partnering with God and, and and bringing blessing to all the earth and scattering throughout the earth, they're gathering together and building a tower, a tower of Babel, Babylon. It's a tower of arrogance. And so God, again, has to come down and judge, and he scatters the people. And, you, and I really expect you guys to remember last time I taught, early in December, remember we talked about, uh, out of the scattering of chapter 11, God began the gathering of his people in chapter 12, and that's, that's where Abram comes in, and, and that's the guy we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Abram's this guy, his story begins in chapter Genesis 12, and it goes to 25, and um, and God calls him to himself, and he makes these three amazing promises. He says, Abram, I'm going to make you, number one, a blessing to all the families of the earth. Number two, um, I'm going to give you offspring and descendants. It's going, to be, you know, it's going to be amazing. And then number three, I'm going to give you and your descendants a land to dwell in and, and to thrive in. And it's a crazy story because when, when God comes to Abram, he's just this guy living in Ur. Ur. You have the Chaldees. He's hanging out in Ur. Pagan land and he doesn't know anything about this God we've been reading about, but he decides to step out and and trust him. And so at 75 years old, he steps out, not knowing where he's going to end up, but he decides he's going to follow and trust this God. And he begins his partnership with God. And as we come to chapter 15, there's a problem, because God promised Abram a son, and it's been 10 years now, and he's too old. His wife's too old. They're past the childbearing years, and so Abram's, he's kind of struggling here. Where's the son? He seems to be wavering a bit. Plus the fact, if you've been with us between chapter 12 and 15, he hasn't had the easiest time, has he? He almost lost his life and wife down in Egypt. And if you're, as you're reading, you're like, whoa, whoa, the the offspring promise is in jeopardy. And then the the next story, when he lets Lot choose the land, you're, you're thinking, whoa, the land promise is in jeopardy here. What's he doing? And then last week, we saw him at war with all these kings. And we're thinking, if if he dies, he shouldn't have won that. I mean, on paper, he should have never won that war. 318 guys against these armies. And if he dies, I mean, how's the blessing? How's he going to be a blessing? So we're watching. We're like, all these promises are in jeopardy. But the sovereignty of God is over it all. And God is moving his promise forward. It's an amazing, amazing story. And so as we're reading this, I'm thinking... Okay, they're in a partnership, but shouldn't partners be able to talk to each other? Because up until this point, you know, these, these three c- encounters with God, Abram hasn't said a word. God's been the one speaking. Well, today, um, Abram's going to pipe up and he's going to speak. So, um, you know, it's interesting. One commentator I was reading, he's saying, each one of these tests, you know, leave your land, trust me to do something that seems impossible to you you know walk through this land that i know it's inhabited with people but it's going to be yours you know trust and believe each one gets more difficult and so abram's growing in his faith and trust it's interesting to see but but today he's going to he's going to speak up and so let's see let's look at our text chapter 15 verse 1 after this and i think that could be all the things that he's gone through but certainly after the war in 14 the word of the lord came to abram in a vision now, if you're a student of, at, at all of the Bible, you realize this is prophetic language here. And this is the first time we see that in Scripture. The word of the Lord comes in a vision. And right away, we, we, we're scratching our head. Well, what, is Abram a prophet? Well, yeah. And we're gonna, God's going to say explicitly in chapter 20 that he is a prophet. And so, that's, so that tells us that these words that, that he's going to speak are not only they're not only significant in, in that generation, but they're pointing to something ahead. And, and we'll see next week that, that this, this uh, future-looking prophecy that, that's actually being discussed here is going to be of great encouragement for those people who are enslaved in Egypt, are eventually enslaved in Babylon, and even for us, as the New Testament calls us, Christians' exiles living in a world that's not our own. It should be encouraging to see that God is faithful to fulfill his promise and ultimately come through in the lasting redemption that he has guaranteed. So the word of the Lord comes to Abram. And here's what he says. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Now, a quick text issue. If you have the ESV, it says, I'm your shield, and your reward shall be great. Now, guys that are way smarter than me, Hebrew guys... Um, They say, yeah, either one of these translations is possible from the text, which is not helpful because, let's face it, they mean two different things. So I'm going to give you Matt's revised version today, okay? My revised version is, uh, I am your shield, the God of the great reward, because not only is God his reward, that's true, but he's also going to bless them very tangibly with offspring in this. So let's just go with the MRV and call it good. Problem solved. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to write a book. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I should not. Um, so he says, he says, do not be afraid, Abram. So what's he afraid of? Because the text doesn't specifically tell us. Now, I, I mean, obviously when the Lord shows up in a vision throughout Scripture, it's a little jarring at, at, at least. So maybe that's going on. Maybe um, someone suggested that the retaliation from the kings last week that he just defeated Maybe he's thinking that, you know, they're going to come back. Kings don't take defeat lightly. And Abram's not some powerhouse. I mean, God is his shield, but, but maybe he's thinking about that. Maybe his sonless state, in our immediate context, that's what he's really concerned about. Where's, the, where's my son? Where's the son you promised? But maybe it's even a little deeper than that. I mean, we know explicitly from the text in chapter 12 that, that Abram is scared for his life and he's afraid that things won't go well, which is why he tells his wife to, hey, say you're, say you're my sister. Why? So they won't kill me and so things will go well with me. And so uh, provision, security, a name, these are the things that, that Abram is afraid of. We're going to see it repeat in chapter 20. And it's interesting to think about those three things, security, security, provision in a name. There's still depressing issues of a homeless man today, right? Of a wanderer today. And God has been Abram's shield. We've seen it. He protected him in Egypt. He protected him with the land deal. He protected him last week and delivered these kings into his hand. And it just makes me stop and think, isn't it amazing how quickly that, that those, that, that people, not only Abram, but let's, let's not pick on him, but, but all of us who follow the Lord, how quickly we can fail to see how he's protected and provided for us in the past when we're in the midst of our own fear and our circumstances are pressing and we forget that he's done, he's brought us to this point. And it seems like that's what's going on here. And so in his fear, God comes and he speaks to him and he gives him a, a reassuring word. I love that God's gracious like that. And so Abram responds and he says, um, we talked about that. He says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my state is Eleazar of Damascus? And he continued, he said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And so there's a sharp response from Abram. Hey, I'm going to be your shield and reward. What, what, what are you going to give me? I don't, have any, I don't have any kids. Where's the promise? In the original language, it's, it's sharp, but it's not disrespectful. I mean, he, he's still sovereign Lord. He, he knows who he's talking to here. But he's frustrated. He, he's, he's wondering. I mean, all I see is Eleazar. I mean, he's a sweet kid, but he's not my flesh and blood. I mean, how is he going to be the fulfillment of the promise? Or maybe is he? Did I misunderstand? And so he's desperate and all hope seems to be gone. And herein lies the great question of our text today. How does one trust in the promises of God when the evidence against the promise seems to be everywhere? She's too old. Biologically, this is not possible now. Right? How, how does one trust in the promise when, when the evidence seems to be against it? It's what he's up against. And so God responds. He says, the the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, God says, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if indeed you can. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So after this double protest, God speaks up. And he offers nothing more than his word. He says, Abram, it's not, it's not him. And, and so he speaks his majestic word. And, and, and according to the Lord, adoption and human biology are not the doors of the future for Abram and Sarai. The word of God is. The promise of God is their future. It's their only hope. God's word is what governs all biblical faith. And we see it clearly right here. Your son will be your heir. And he doesn't offer him a foolproof argument like, like a lawyer might, right? He just takes him outside. He says, look, look up at the sky, Abram. Look at the stars. And he looks at the massive, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, we live in so much light pollution. Could you imagine what it looked like? It's like going to central Oregon, right, and getting up there where there's no light. It's just magnificent. It's breathtaking. That's what he's looking at. And it's, it's, it's a sign, but, but it really it proves nothing, right? It's not a foolproof argument. How, how, could, how could all these stars prove that, that God's going to give him a son? It's not an argument. It's a revelation. He's revealing something. Abram, he's showing him, but oh, remember who I am. Look at who I am. Abram, remember who I am. And I don't know if at that point, you know, I thought about this when I was preparing this. Remember last week when, when the king of Sodom comes to Abram and he says, hey, take all this stuff you can have it, and Abram's like, look, with, with right hand raised, I have sworn to the Lord, the God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And did you forget that so quickly? Right? You, you did a noble thing by denying all these goods and, and from, from, from this king, and you swore by the God of heaven and earth, and now he's standing under the heavens, and, and God's showing him, remember, Who I am. And it's only this renewed awareness that God is God that I think enables him to to put his faith in, in this bedrock of the Word of God. And I think it anchors him. I'm the creator, the sustainer of all things, Abram. You look at what I created. You don't think I can give you a son? You don't think I can open the womb of a barren woman? And so again, he's forced to believe. He's forced, well, he doesn't have to believe. He's forced with a choice. But we see, we read in the next verse, Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He just, he believed God. And and I don't know what caused him exactly. We can speculate. You know, all we know is God spoke his word again to his life and he showed him, you know, he revealed again who he is, the creator and the sustainer. And so what caused him to move from that state of lament to that emboldened? I don't know. I guarantee it. Well, what it wasn't, it wasn't that he felt some new generative power in his loins. Thank you, Lord. Right? That didn't happen. And it wasn't because he was looking at his wife thinking, oh, okay, everything's all okay with her. No, God spoke something powerfully in his life. God made a promise, and Abram believed him, and God said, that's what righteousness looks like. That's righteousness. And he accredited it to him as righteousness. He, he, some of your translations say he reckoned it to him as righteousness. And so Abram had, had come to rely on the Lord of the promise above all else. And the word of God was, was the voice around which Abram organized his life. Let me ask you a question today. What, what's the voice that you organize your life around? What, what's the word or the promises or the beliefs that, 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 that really are this, have the centralizing influence in your life? Because there's lots of voices out there, right? Culture's got a really loud voice, whether you're, you know, CNN, Fox, Twitter, whatever you're looking at, you know, applaud this, or, you know, shame on that. Is, is, that, is that what guides you? It's a, it's a powerful one. Maybe it's others. And I was specifically thinking about young marriage. This one can be a struggle for you. You know, you're trying to please people and you got these new in-laws and all this and it can get really weird. Um, do you try and avoid conflict at all costs and compromise? And Is that the voice? Maybe it's just self. Maybe you're just going to make a name for yourself and, and you are the only one that speaks into your life. You don't care who you run over in the process. What's the voice, the centralizing voice that you organize your life around? You know, yesterday, that's a powerful time at our men's breakfast. We had Tim Clark share from his heart. It was heavy. It was, it was deep. It was spirit-filled. And uh, we also had uh, Gary Trivet share. And it was, it was interesting because they were both talking about the same kinds of things that we're going to be talking about down here this week and next week. And I just thought it's interesting that, who knows, maybe God has something that he really wants to say emphatically to us in the next couple weeks together. You know, we talked about unless you're hearing God's word and really organizing your life and your thoughts and your energies around that, um, you'll never be free. All else is a trap, it's a lie. You know, Gary reminded us, he said, you know, you can be free in a a prison cell to, to well, you can't be free. His point was, you you can organize your life in a a six by ten cell. I mean, you can think whatever you want in there. You can move your, you know, coffee cup wherever you want, but you're still not free. You're still imprisoned. And Jesus, he reminded us that Jesus said in John 8, uh, 31 and 32, and I'll paraphrase, Jesus brought his disciples around and he said, look, if you organize your life around my words, two things will happen. Number one, you will know the truth. And number two, the truth will set you free. And I just thought, and I was thinking this, anybody want to be free today? I mean, really free. Because if we don't get this right, man, you're never going to be free. If we don't organize our lives around the word of God and and, and listen to his voice first and foremost, we're never going to be free. Oh, You might be in control, at least the illusion of it, but you're not free. And Abram, he rejects these other voices, and he follows the Lord. It's it's an amazing story. And, And in this fourth visit, his belief is made explicit. That's righteousness. Abraham believed the Lord and God said, it's praiseworthy and God loves it. And so as we're watching Abraham, we're realizing that he is learning to take God as reliable. He's relying on him. He's moving out in faith. And this is exactly what God's looking for, a part, or looking for in a partner, then and now. Somebody who will trust his word. And that's really the, the promise of this story for us. It's a daily trusting in God, believing his word, sometimes against all hope. If he's promised it, he's faithful. And this is why Abram's called the father of faith. And he's called the friend of God. It's, it's amazing. I wish you'd keep going. Sean's going to finish this story up next week. But, but I just want to look at four observations as we, as we wrap up here that I think are important. There's, there's probably 400. We're going to look at four. Um, and the first is this. Don't consider a delay, a cancellation, or a denial. Abram's been waiting for years now, and he's going to wait for another 15 before the sun comes, spoiler alert, and um, that was, I should have done that, sorry about that, uh, you've read the story, I know you've read the story, um, but he's been waiting, and he's wondering, did God change his mind? Was it, was it Eliezer? I mean, did, did I misunderstand the promise? And God says, no. It's, it's delayed, I know. But I'm, I'm coming through on my promise. My timing is perfect. And you may not always understand it, but I'm asking you to trust me, Abram. And he does. And, you know, I just think about our life. We're, we're all waiting for something. Maybe we're not waiting for, on a specific promise like Abram was. Maybe, maybe we're praying for you know, these general biblical principles that we have that, that, that God, God want, his, He wants to rescue others. And so maybe you have a child that's, that's kind of wandered away from the Lord and you're praying and it's been years. And you're like, maybe, maybe God's just putting the old denial stamp on my prayer. Man, don't say that. His timing isn't like our timing. It's always perfect. And, and this story, it just re- reminds me of that. Sometimes we just need to... We need to rest in that. You know, lately, personally, I've been praying for, um, for God to give me a spirit of praise in exchange for this garment of heaviness, to use the language of Scripture. You know, I shared with you before, since my dad died, it's been really tough. And one of the things that's really struggling in my life is my marriage right now. And, and we're good, don't get me wrong. I mean, you guys forget, oh, hey. No, we're fine, but... I haven't been investing in my wife the way, you know, I, I should be. And it's been, and it's been hard. And, and I don't say this as an excuse, but, but sometimes grief and that, I just haven't had the emotional energy. And, and so I'm praying, I'm asking, here's what I'm asking. I'm praying for God to do something deep within my spirit and my soul and to turn that kind of mourning into joy, you know. But I'm not just sitting here waiting. I'm pressing in. I, I'm, I'm reading the word with my buddies. You know, I'm praying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really, you know, try and do some concrete things to start moving in that direction. I might see a counselor. I mean, if they're a good one. Here, come talk to me. But, um, but, but, but I'm waiting on the Lord to do something that only he can do. And at the same time, I'm trusting that he's going to meet me, so I'm going to be moving out in faith. And so don't think that God's delay, you know, maybe it's not his timing. You know, I want to be, be ready to go today. Well, I'm still, it's still a heaviness, and, and it's Okay but I'm trusting in the Lord. You know, I remember this this verse. Those who trust in the Lord, those who hope and wait in and on the Lord will renew their strength. This isn't just for the, the people of Israel who are wondering if God had forgotten about them when Isaiah the prophet spoke this. This is for all who believe. He'll renew our strength. You'll walk and you won't grow weary. There's there's a strengthening that only God can do in our lives. And sometimes we need to wait on the Lord for his timing. Number two, God calms our fears and he understands our questions. I love this about the Lord because, look, people who don't know the Lord, they often accuse him of two things, right? Either being harsh and uncaring or being passive and distant. And in our text here, he's neither of those things. He comes to Abram in his fear, and instead of rebuking him, he encourages him and reminds him, look, I I, I got you, Abram. I'm I'm your shield. I will provide for you. He cares about Abram, and I love that Abram's honest with him, and he takes his concerns. Look, where's the sun? You promised. He doesn't pretend like this this biological impossibility isn't real like sometimes church people do. You know, you you talk to people. They've lost their house and family. and Oh, we're just praising the Lord. You should be mourning. Where's the lament? God wants our lament. We don't do lament well in our culture. We need to do it better. And and Abram, he's he's being honest with God, and I think God wants us to bring our fears. He wants us to bring our, our laments to him so that he can speak into those fears. I mean, the word of the Lord says the, uh, the perfect love uh, of God, it, it can dispel all our fears, but we need to take it to him. We need to take our fears and be honest, and I think Abram does that. Remember what Jesus said in John 15 when he had his disciples gather around? He said, look, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. Why? Because I've shared with you everything my father and I are doing. And so in Christ, we too, like Abram, are the friends of God. And we still approach him with with the humility and respect. But but, but look what what Peter says. He says, so humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And cast your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And some of you today need need to really understand and hear that today. God cares for you. And you might be in a dark place where it doesn't seem like he does, but he cares for you. And you need to trust him. Take your heart to him and, and, and get, get some people around him. Get in his word and let it saturate your life, but, but he cares for you. And our future is as clear to God as our past is to us. Abram's only friend seemed to be darkness and confusion until the Lord showed up. Because the Lord knows the end from the beginning. The Lord sees it all. One of my favorite passages in Scripture is Psalm 139, where where the psalmist is is talking to the Lord. He says, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, Lord. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And so sometimes our, our circumstances, our situations, you know, we're looking around, we're like, there's no possibility. For Abraham, there was no physical possibility but for us it might just be misunderstanding we we, we can't see and so God says trust me come to me I know and I'll give you strength for today and you just keep trusting me and keep walking with me it's an amazing it's amazing relationship we're invited to, to enter into you know, I, some people have talked to me and said, yeah, I just don't feel that connection with the Lord, and it's distant, and I'm like, well, did you ever spend any time with him? Did you ever, did you ever read the word? Well, no, not, not really. It's hard to understand. Have you tried? I mean, me and some buddies, we're not real bright, but we get together, and we bang around in, the, in the, this Bible app, and we, you know, hey, that was weird. Did you see what he said? And we're just wrestling, and it's great encouragement to my soul. And if you're not spending time in the word, I mean, I probably say this every time I preach and I'll say it again. Um, There is no substitute for the word of God in your life. None, no substitute. God's word spoken into your life. There's no substitute for it. So Proverbs reminds us that, that we're to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. In all your ways, you submit to him, and he will make your path straight. You can count on that. I don't know one per and I can promise you this. This is a promise from Matt, not from God, so disclaimer. But I promise you, and everybody I've talked to that spent any time walking with the Lord, that if you, if you seek the Lord, if you put yourself under his word, he will show you himself, and he will meet you in ways you never thought possible. He does that. He wants to do that for you. Trust him. He's faithful. And finally, righteousness is trusting and believing the word and the promises of God. God looked at Abram's trust and simply credited him as righteousness. That's what it looks like. And, and God deemed it. That's, that's righteousness. To trust me. Even when, even when all the promises seem to be against the or all the evidence seems to be against the promise, trust me. Many years later, the Apostle Paul, he would pen these words that would would be the summary statement of Abram's faith in, in Romans 4. Listen to these words. Against all hope, Abram in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. And the words, it was credited to him, were not written for him alone, but for us also. To whom God will credit righteousness for for us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Our eternal life today is found in the Son. And and Paul says in Galatians that Jesus Christ is the ultimate seed. He's the ultimate offspring. Everything that, that was promised to Abraham finds its yes in Jesus Christ. He is the son to come. And for all those who put their faith in Christ, they, they become children of, of Abraham, but children of God. Amen. And, and he doesn't stop there. Watch this. Why did Jesus redeem this? I love this verse. Galatians 3.14, Jesus redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. The promise is the Spirit of God poured out into your life, which gives you new life, which enables you to walk and live in the newness of life. That's a gift, and it's offered to you by faith. And if you trust Christ, if you believe what God's saying... Even mustard seed belief, it's got to start somewhere. God will declare, declare it righteous. He'll invite you into his family. He'll pour his spirit out in your heart, and he will give you a life that you never thought possible. That's what's on the table today. This isn't a downloadable experience, this is a life changing, living word from the living God. That's, that's what's offered to us today. Will you partner with God today? like Abram did. All it takes is trusting him and believing in his word. Let's pray. Father, uh, you know, it's so crazy looking at Abram because we have all this, these theological frameworks standing way over here on the other side of the cross, and Abram had nothing. I don't even think he knew what sin was. Law hadn't been given. He's just some guy that, that you called. It was an incredible story, Lord. He believed you, and and that simple faith is what you consider righteous. And so, Lord, I pray that your spirit would come and just fill this place and and create newness of life. Lord, pour out your spirit. Respond to those sitting here today that say, Lord, I, I, I believe and help me believe all in the same breath. Give life like only you can, Father, in Jesus' name. Hebrews 11, amazing, the hall of faith, many of you know. Verse 8, by, by faith, Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, his sons, who were also heirs, the same promise. He was, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she, was considered, because she considered him faithful. Not because she was, because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And all these people, they were still living by faith when they died. They didn't receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. And finally, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they would left, they would have an opportunity to return, but instead they were looking for a better country, a heavenly one, and that's why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God is the God of the the shield that he he provides for us. He wants to reward us. Do you trust him? And read Hebrews 11. Look at these people trusted the Lord and God came through every time. Will you trust him? Father, I pray that you would give us a spirit of faith today. Increase our faith. Yes, we believe, but help us believe, Lord. Give us courage to step out and face some of those challenges that that we know we need to steer into and meet us there, Lord. Open our eyes and show us amazing things in your word that we just had no idea. And we will give you the praise and the glory. We thank you, Father, for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for coming out.